the main goal of what we're doing is how do we lower the stress in our bucket so we have more bandwidth to actually do those things as they come up. Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the show, I am joined by Dr. Samantha Brody. Now, I had the pleasure to meet her at Think Better, Live Better back in 2019, so a whole year ago, <laughs> a little bit less than a year ago. Um, we were speaking there in San Diego, and I was really excited to see her talk because there was a lot of congruency and a lot of crossover, and so I thought she'd be an ideal guest to have on the show. It took us a while to get to this point, but... Lo and behold, this is, I think, the perfect time of year for her to be on the program if you're listening to this as the podcast is being released. And even if you're not, there's a lot of great stuff that we get into regarding overwhelm and resolutions and, and habit building and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's, it's, I really enjoyed the conversation. Now, uh, Dr. Samantha Brody, she is a licensed naturopathic physician and acupuncturist in Portland, Oregon. So she has something in common with my wife as well, in the acupuncture part, that is. Uh, she also runs a virtual arm of her business doing coaching and consulting with clients across the globe. Dr. Samantha has written for a variety of publications and has been quoted in media outlets, including the LA Times, Wall Street Journal, HuffPost, Shape, and she's the author of the book we're going to talk a bit about today, Overcoming Overwhelm, Dismantle Your Stress from the Inside Out. And you can find all of her work online later in this episode. We're going to have a whole bunch of mentions of that. But for now, let's get to my conversation with Dr. Samantha Brody here on the Productivityist Podcast. I'd like to welcome Dr. Samantha Brody to the Productivityist Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. So, this is the time of year where uh, people are, if you're listening to this as the episode comes out, fresh slate, clean slate, you can do, the possibilities are endless as the next 12 months are upon us. That sounds pretty overwhelming. Uh, that's why I wanted to have you on the show because of the idea of overcoming overwhelm. So I want to get into this because this is a good time of year. People, what, what I find fascinating about January, and I, we've had this discussion before, Dr. Samantha, is the idea that Christmas happens, right? The holiday season's, you know, wraps up on the 25th-ish. And then you've got like five days to come up with something amazing that you're going to do in the 12 months ahead. And you're really tired and there's so much going on. And you're like, it, it just becomes to me like very chaotic. And what I like about when I saw you speak at, at Think Better, Live Better, um, which I'll link to in the show notes, because, uh, you know, Mark and Angel put on a fantastic event, is the idea that there's, there is a better way, there's like a nice process to kind of put this in place that you've right. put out there. But let's like, do you find that at this time of year, overwhelm really is, is more apparent? Or is it like, where, where do the conditions kind of show up that you see in, 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 the research that you did for this book and just when you're, when you're dealing with people on a regular basis? No, I would say the way that I look at overwhelm is a little bit different than many other people look at it. So I think about it, not just as this ex physical experience or emotional experience of being overwhelmed, but I look at overwhelm as how our body manifests and how our mind manifests and how our emotions manifest the experience of having more, uh, you know, more than we can manage. And so I think that sometimes we'll say, well, I feel really overwhelmed, but 
you don't have to feel you know, emotionally overwhelmed to be experiencing overwhelm. So overwhelm can manifest as chronic medical things. It can manifest with headaches or digestive issues, anxiety. It can manifest with whatever your kind of tendency is going to be from both an emotional and physical perspective. And so I think that this time of year, people really do feel, oh, I have this fresh start. And I often think that decreases in the short term, this feeling of overwhelm from that typical overwhelm perspective. Right. But it's not necessarily, uh, you know, a, a good reflection of whether they're actually experiencing overwhelm or not. I think that the dopamine or the, you know, the kind of brain chemicals we create around, I'm going to do this new thing. I have this new fresh start can put a pause on feeling crummy right? Mm -hmm. Because we get excited about that or looking forward. And of course, there's the coming down after the holidays. Some people are just toast because they've been, you know, doing too much or drinking too much or eating, you know, making food choices. To well, and, you know, whatever that is. And during that time, expectations are generally lower, right? Like people are like, there's, there's, there's a generally understood sense that there is a break going on. But then right. the holidays, end, then you're, you, it's almost like as that feeling goes away, it's, um, uh, this is probably not the best analogy, but it's like, you know, when, um, when mothers have like oxytocin and they're like, so in love with their babies and all of a sudden, like as the, the that stuff starts to wear off, you're like, Oh man, like it's the same. I think there's just some right. congruency there where you're like, Oh no, Oh yeah. no, I have to go back to work. And Oh man, now everyone's going to be the, all these demands are going to come back at me. Like nobody's business. It's really interesting because on the, yes, absolutely. But then on the flip side, we also have this, Oh, it's a fresh start. I get to do things differently. So mm -hmm. there's still this kind of hope that holds us up. Uh, and then I think things in my experience, people are more likely to crash kind of a couple weeks in when they have all these lofty ideas about their year that are totally unreasonable. Right. Which is why New Year's resolutions generally fail I fairly early on. So <laughs> not a fan of New Year's resolutions. Yep. I feel like it's just a, you know, a way to set yourself up. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that I don't support having themes and um, goals, right? Because that's really important. But the resolution thing is just a recipe for disaster. <laughs> Let, let's go through the, some of the steps in the book, because I think that one of the things that, uh, and of course, we're going to link to the book and your website in the in the, uh, in the the show notes, but um, the, you've got this process that's kind of, um, it's, it's a new way, like you talk about how you think about overwhelm, right? And, right. and it kind of reframes it a bit. So let's, I think this is a good time of year for step one, especially to take place, because yeah. I think that that that's a huge part. Can we can we talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So the book is set up in a way that first I talk about this different way of thinking about overwhelm, where it's not just the again, the things that you think are causing you overwhelm, but all of the accumulation of stresses or stressors that um, are more than your ability to handle them. And I think about that as a bucket. So different things fill that in, you know, and it's, it's the food you eat, it's the things in your environment, it's your work stress, it's your relationship and family, you know, all of these things that are just life, right? It is the dance of life in a mm -hmm. bucket. Uh, and then, so the first step, it's a four step process. And again, my goal with this was to take what I do in my practice, you know, this is my 23rd year of practice this year. And I go, I was trying to, you know, we were talking before we started recording about systematizing our work, right? And I went, you know, I have such great success with people day over day. How do I take that and make it into a system that anyone can use? So I'm, you know, that's what I was trying to do here. And right. So the first step is what I call find your true north. And that's looking at what do you really want your life to look like? Who do you want to be, right? How do you want to show up in, in your life? How do you want to feel emotionally? How do you want to feel physically? 
what are your values, right? What is most truly most important? And then what do you want to do and accomplish? And so it's very, you know, those things sound gigantic, but what I've done is I've created exercises to be able to pin down very specifically, here are my top five values. Here are the top five ways that I want to feel in my body. Here is the top five ways of how I want to feel emotionally. And then we actually, you know, I have people write it, literally write it on an index card. I have it on a sticky note under my desk blotter. I have it in my planner. And I go through this process personally every three or four months, but you can do it once a year or even once a month because those things change depending on life circumstance and seasons. But to have those things in front of me allows me to really vet my choices. And it's the same for every one of my, you know, everyone who does go through this process, right? You know now what is reasonable to say yes to and say no to based on your values rather than based on expectations or based on your personal tendencies or your personal pathology or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the things are that drive us to make decisions. All right. So what, when you, when you're putting this together, uh, what kind of led you, like, what was yours? Like when you're looking at the true, your true North, like what, because I think people, when they're thinking about this are like, okay, I want like, how, how did you clarify for yourself? Like, like can we say, this is, this is what's most important to me. And then it leads to step two, which is like the, the establishing your foundation. Right. Right. So, so the first part is going, you know, I mean, I literally, I'll actually, I'm happy to share that first values exercise. Sure. With your listeners. Yeah. That'd be great for that. Uh, the, so the, there are many different kinds of ways to do that. I included one exercise in the book because, mm-hmm. you know, originally I had four and my publishers were like, yeah, no, <laughs> we're not. That's, a wor- that's a workshop. <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing that, which by the way, I've put on before. Um, so the, for me, and it's really interesting in the last year, since I have written the book, I have some family members who've had some health issues and I was really burnt out from the process of writing the book things changed. Like my values and how I want to feel physically and emotionally in that period of time took a big change. Mm. Um, Currently, the things that are on that list for me are integrity. That is of utmost importance. And one of the things that we do in this exercise is we look at different words to say, is this something that's an important value for me? And then we batch them together. So integrity showed up in a lot of different, you know, I just saw that manifesting or showing up in a lot of different I guess I'll use the word, you know, I'll just, they're, they're literally words that mm-hmm. are listed, right? right? And so for me, you know, honesty, um, you know, commitment and taking care of other people, you know, all of those things showed up and I went, oh, the word integrity encapsulates that for me. So that was one of the things for me. Another one was intellectual curiosity and fulfillment. And, you know, we can, I use that because growing emotionally and intellectually and having people in my life who meet that need is really important. And so for instance, when I have, you know, X number of friends and Y amount of time, I can't, and a very busy life and a kid and, but you know, all those things, I can't hang out with all the people who I might, who I enjoy, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's just not enough time. So I go, if intellectual curiosity and fulfillment is an important value for me, when I'm deciding about who I'm spending my time with, you know, I'm going to take that into account. Is this something that is, you know, because for me, I don't have, you know, if I had fun as one of my top five values, I might hang out with a very different person than someone who really meets me intellectually, who I can have a kind of deep conversation with, which is something that's really important to me. And it doesn't mean I don't also want to have fun. I can do that because that's also important to me, but it's doesn't, 
it's not as important. So that allows me, and you know, that was a you know one silly kind of example about the people. But mm-hmm. in every in you know in any moment when we have a you know a limited amount of time, what do we want to be doing with our time, and who do we want to be? Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make, or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it, and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. Okay, we're going to take a break from the proceedings now to talk about a few things that I've got going on as we begin the calendar year. Some of these are going to be timely. Some of these are going to be evergreen. The one thing that I want to share with you is an event that I'm putting together. You can learn more about this event, which is in the planning stages, and it's coming up pretty quickly, February 29th, 2020 and it will be in vancouver bc it's an all-day event on saturday february 29th go to productivityist.com slash ready and you can sign up to get updates the early bird tickets are going to go on sale on january the 6th 2020 that's this year so they're going to go on sale pretty quickly So if you are listening to this as the episode comes out, you might want to jump on this sooner rather than later. So again, go to productivityist.com slash ready. This is the first event of any scale that I'm putting on. I'm really excited. I want to help you take advantage of the extra day that we have in 2020 to help you craft your time. So again, go to productivityist.com slash ready to learn more about this event that's going on Saturday, February 29th in Vancouver, BC, Canada. Now, if you're unable to travel and you want to get the best of the time crafting experience right out of the box, the starting foundations to time crafting, then I encourage you to check out the 30 days of time crafting program. It's only $5 and you get a 30 day course, which includes emails and course materials over a 30 day period. There's no time like the present to get started with making you feel like you're more present with your time. So I want you to check out productivityist.com slash $5 to learn more about the 30 days of time crafting program. Again, that's productivityist.com slash $5 to learn more today. Now it's time for my Productivityist podcast pick of the week, and I'm recommending Stephen Worley's Life Skills That Matter. Stephen's a friend of mine, and he's been putting together an awesome podcast for quite some time now. I highly encourage you to check this out. If you're feeling stuck, if you want to find purpose by creating your own work, Stephen Worley interviews people like you who figured out how to work for themselves and how they did it. He's interviewed thought leaders like Seth Godin, Chris Brogan, Jenny Blake, Greg McEwen, Taylor Pearson, so many more. He has really put together a great, great uh, kind of 
back catalog and an ongoing catalog of podcasts, Life Skills That Matter. I highly encourage you to check it out. There are a lot of great people that you've probably heard on this podcast that are on that podcast. Chris Bailey is one of them. Humble the Poet is another. Paul Jarvis is another. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, you're going to enjoy Life Skills That Matter. It is my productivity is podcast pick of the week. Now let's get back to my conversation with Dr. Samantha here on the Productivity is Podcast. When, we, when I saw you speak about this at Think Better, Live Better, um, there were some definite congruencies, which is why we had a chance to chat afterwards. What's the idea of theming and things like that? Like the idea right. of kind of, um, how do you help people and how does this book help people make sure that this kind of takes hold and st is sticky? Because I think, again, a lot of people when they're when they go through these kind of processes and we'll go we can go through additional steps as well because i think that that, right. that helps with that process to a degree but there is that life is moving pretty fast right like the idea of of, of like oh you can get caught up right so how do you kind of stay grounded or or on target um without without necessarily falling prey to all of the other things and all the other stuff that can come at you so that you don't um fall prey to, you know, things like overwhelm and, and, and kind of having to course correct too often. Well, I mean, I think one thing is having a system in place that really works like the work that you do again, that's why it meshes, right? Mm -hmm. So having a system that you can use once you know what the things are that you want to accomplish and then using that system to say, is this actually achievable when I look at my schedule and look at my, you know, these chunks of time. And if I have this chunk for this and that chunk for that, what, what is left, right? Can mm -hmm. I actually do all of that? And that that's important to me. So part of it is having a system that you can use. Another part is continually keeping at in the forefront what is most important because that's the thing that I think falls between the cracks. What happens is our tendency for perfectionism or our tendency for pleasing people or our tendency to not want to be judged drives us to make choices that don't line up with our values. Right. And so ultimately, if we're continually, again, with like the card or with, you know, doing this work or with having accountability partners or whatever it is, or even with, you know, for me, my home screen on my phone is a black, black background mm -hmm. and a few of my values words. And I change those as I'm going. So every time I pick up my phone and I change them because so it doesn't start to become background noise, right? Right. So it actually, you know, shifts, but, you know, being able to do that chain, you know, I'm able to constantly have in the front of my mind and that's a habit and a practice too, right? Mm -hmm. Thinking about what your values are and how you want to feel before you agree to something or before you make a plan or before you theme your week, is this in alignment, you know, with what is most important to me. And then the process of going through the other steps in the book also helps, you know, one of the, the second step is called establish your foundation, which is to look at how you make change best. For instance, I know we we're talking also about Gretchen Rubin and her work. Yep. And so that's something that, ha you know, I was working with people and then, her, you know, for many years before her book came out about the, ten about the tendencies and I went, oh, this, you know, this is a way to systematize that. So mm -hmm. you can, I will often recommend that book to people as they're working through this piece, like to know how you make change best and then identifying your roadblocks, right? What are the things that get in your way? You know, what pathological things in your life from your habits, from your history, from your culture, you know, what things get in your way to keep you from doing what's really important to you and having you be who you are. And then making sure you have the right support and then, you know, mindset things, of course, right? Mm -hmm. And then I have people actually, the third step is to, it's called take your overwhelm inventory, where they go 
area over area in their lives to identify specifically what the accumulation of stresses are. Because I think there are often things that are stressing us, leading to overwhelm, that we don't think about because they are not the things that unto themselves feel overwhelming. Right. Right. So the example I'll give about that is, you know, this in the book, I have an example about my squeaky keyboard drawer that was actually driving me out of my, <laughs> my damn mind for like a year. And I tried to take it apart. And, you know, finally I went, this is really causing me so much more stress than it would, you know, it's just causing me too much accumulation of stress, even though it's a silly thing. And I yeah. don't think about, oh yeah, my keyboard tray is overwhelming me, but it's one thing in my bucket that I have some control over. Right. And I, I ended up, getting on my like getting on my back with a bunch of tools and taking the whole thing apart and realizing it was a bearing issue and not something that could be fixed it was inside the you know inside the I mean it could have been taken apart but one wouldn't do that and so the um you know I looked at that and I said okay I, you know I have people look at what things in their bucket these stresses what can you change what can't you change and then what are you going to choose not to change and so that drawer I didn't I really like my desk I don't want to get a new desk so I took it from this thing that was causing me a lot of stress and I put it in the category of things I'm choosing not to change so now when it goes blah, blah, you know every time I open my drawer which it's still doing by the way now three years later mm-hmm. I go, oh, this is something I'm choosing not to change right now. It's in my control and therefore it's not causing me stress. So I have people, you know, look over that. And at some point, the cost benefit ratio may shift. And then things that we truly don't have control over, we can choose to change our mindset about that, right? Uh, We can decide to say, I'm going to grieve. You know, my dad died right in the middle of the process of my working on my book proposal, or actually it was right right in the process of selling the book. And I went, this is not something I can change, but I can you know, decide to grieve, yet also choose to keep moving forward with this process right Mm -hmm. now. But I also could have said, I'm going to take a break because that was in my control. Right. So, you know, I mean, life throws curveballs at you. That's just life. When I was getting ready for my book launch last year, I went away to Europe and uh, for a break for a couple of weeks. And I was still working while I was gone. And I came home and uh, found out that we had rats in our (laughs) rats. Oh, lovely. It was, I live in an old Portland house. It's like, you know, 110 years old and there's, you know, from our neighborhood. And I went, I don't want to be here mm-hmm. while, that's, while we're dealing with this. And we moved into an Airbnb for a month. That was an incredible amount of stress. And I didn't expect that at the time I was getting ready for my book to launch, in, you know, four weeks, but it was something I didn't have control over. So I went, okay, what do I have control over here? And I was, I had the privilege of being able to stay in an Airbnb, but I might not have been. And then you have to go, okay, how am I going to, what am I going to do now? Right? Like taking what you have what your goals and values are, and then how are you going to manage the stress that happens because it's inevitable, right? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things, you know, it's funny, as you're talking about this, I'm sitting here in my office, and one of the things that I, uh, one of the things that I needed to do in my office in order to, for me, feel like I could move forward with certain things was I had to, there was one wall that was just, it was wrecked. It needed to be I was sitting in this office and I couldn't deal. I just couldn't. I, it felt, and it didn't feel, I didn't recognize it as overwhelm. I recognized it as just a, it was, it was, there was part of me that said, um, this is what's preventing me from doing the work, which is probably, it'd be yes to a degree, but, but, um, once I decided I'm going to fix this wall, which I did. And I mean, I fixed it in the most effective 
efficient way possible. Probably not like, you know, I, I've got this paper vinyl wallpaper stuff that I put over top of it and it looks quite nice now. You would never know right. what was going on underneath it. I had to do a little bit of sanding, but not much. Did it in yeah. like a day. Right. Um, which, by the way, I kept putting off and putting off, not because it wasn't something that I knew I needed or wanted to do. It's just because there seemed to be other things that were more important. Right. And then when I finally got it done and I sat in my office, to, I connected the dots. I'm like, this was a stressor. It was something right. that was overwhelming me that I didn't realize. Now, my, my question for you in this regard is, how do you, because I, I, I can imagine that some people would find that keyboard situation go, okay, you know what? I'm doing this right now. Like when, when there probably are other things that they could, could have been doing. Do you have like, when they're kind of working through these steps, is it important for them to sit down and go, okay, I'm going to dedicate some time to this. So that way, and, and if things come up after the fact, I can just add them to the list and deal with them later. Like that light bulb that you, you know, I might need to change in my office, but it's not right. like, it's not like my office is completely dark, but there's like a tiny little light bulb. Like, how right. do you, because so, I think, I think people can get, can, can divert themselves that way too. Right. Right. Yep. So, so, you know, one thing I'll say is the goal of this process, you know, again, thinking about that bucket full of all the different stressors that we identify, which by the way, can unto itself feel overwhelming. But as you, I mean, it's a really, the, the process is a drilling down to what are the stresses in each area and then assessing them as to how important they are to, uh, you know, to address in that moment or in a particular time frame. And you're going to say, okay, this is something that is, I want to deal with in the long term. So I'm going to put it in the, I'm choosing not to change that bucket. Right. And then I'm going to put this in the, I'm choosing to change a bucket. And this is, these are the steps, literal steps I'm going to take to do that. And you start with just a few things, right? Because you can't, you know, if you look at all the stresses, that's life, right? We're humans living in a complicated you know, environment. And so what I would say is that the main goal of what we're doing, in addition to getting clear about how we want to feel and what our values are, because that helps us vet choices moving forward, is how do we lower the stress in our bucket so we have more bandwidth to actually do those things as they come up. Gotcha. Right. If we're full to the brim and or spilling over when the light bulb goes out, it's monumental because how on earth are you going to find time to change that light bulb? Let's say you have to get up on a ladder to do it rather than just walk into the other room. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, part of the goal here is to look at what's most important and to create a container for your life that has room for the inevitable stresses that happen. And the process literally goes thing over thing. Okay. What are the stresses in these different areas? And, you know, it's, surprising to many people when they go through this, when we're identifying what stresses we can change and looking at, all right, there are going to be some things that are non-negotiable, right? For me, a wall that looked like that, that would be a non-negotiable for me because right. I can't work. You know, the, the keyboard was not a non-negotiable for me, but you know, a wall with the, you know, whatever, I don't know what your wall looked like. It was, it, it was know. not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, so that would cause me. So one of my values, I call it beauty way, which is a, a term that's used for, you know, a lot of different things, but in particular, you know, one of the things for me is I need the space around me to really reflect calm and ease and beauty. Like I really like to have beautiful things. I don't like clutter. I like to keep it, you know, keep things nice and, you know, I don't want to have a bunch of, it's just not my jam. Like right. other people want to have a hundred photographs on the wall and I'm like, I'll have a photograph on the wall. Thank you very much. I'll change it if I want to see a different picture, you know? So that's just a lifestyle choice. Uh, you know, I personally feel like clutter is a really common 
um, stress for people that they're not realizing. Um, and for me, I realize very much that that's at the top of my pile and clutter for me would be visual clutter, like a wall that's in bad shape, right? So that for me would be a non-negotiable that would come at the top of the list before something else. And, you know, if we find that we have too many things in our bucket and we are feeling overwhelmed, again, with this feeling of overwhelm that we typically call overwhelm or whether it's the overwhelm of physical symptoms or emotional symptoms. Again, I'm a doctor. And so we have, a, I, you know, I do this process with people saying your digestive symptoms are not just because of what you're eating, but because of the overall accumulation of stresses in your bucket. We need to get that bucket down at the same time that we're figuring out what foods bother you. So Dr. Smith, as we wrap up, I want to ask another quick question. And this is regarding journaling you know, the idea of chronicling things. So this is the time of year where I think uh, what I do is even though I don't start my year in January, I go back and I read my journal entries from the calendar year, just because it's easier to kind of the way, mm. the way it's laid out, just to see kind of where, where I've been, what I said I was going to do, maybe what I didn't, but more, more, more importantly, to see what I did do, like the, the successes. Cause it's, yeah, because I mean, our brain is more wired to remember the bad than the good, right? Like that's just, it's, it's a weird, I have this app called pocket biases that I refer to all the time <laughs> when I'm dealing, when I'm working with people and even myself, because those biases of like, we, we're more biased to saying, Oh, I didn't do this day. Yeah. But what did you do? Like, what about the cool right. things that you did? Um, do you, first off, do you journal? And secondly, as part of this process, do you think it would be a valuable thing to do? That's a great question. So I have gone through periods of time where I journal a lot. I mean, I have boxes and boxes and boxes full of journals. Right now, I'm for my schedule, you know, for my actual day to day and my to do list, I'm bullet journaling. Right. So uh, right. I'm actually bullet journaling with one of the systems where you can move the pages with a disk bound. So, um, but I don't, so I can look back and I always also do a beginning of the year, you know, an end of the year kind of assessment looking back and what I'm looking forward to for the new year. So when I'm when I'm wrapping up my year, I look at that, you know, what I had said I was hoping to accomplish. I think it would serve me to do that, to look at that more frequently during the year. Um, but that has not been historically um, something that I do. But I think journaling for a lot of reasons can be really helpful, both around a logistical perspective and an emotional perspective. Um, so I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have, currently I do not have a system where I'm doing that, but I have, during periods in the past. And it's been very beneficial for me. And I think that if, you know, what part of this process with the book is I have people get a notebook and do this process and then revisit it on the regular, which is pretty much the equivalent of doing that right. in a more linear manner, I think. All right. Last question. Um, and this is for, we're at that time of year, like I said, where, uh, which is why I read the journal, right? It's why I, right. I because I have that, I have that things are slower. So I have the ability to say, you know what, I'm going to take New Year's Day <laughs> and just read this journal because the expectations are low. Everyone else is hungover. I'm not really drinking all that <laughs> much, so it's fine. Um, but if someone was going to start this process today and go through your book, where what's the simple, not the easiest, because this isn't, I don't, I'm not suggesting this easy. What's the simplest action they can take to get going? Yeah. You know, the first thing I would say is to keep in mind with whatever you do in this kind of process to know that you can't do it all and to give yourself some kindness and grace and space to evolve as a human as you're making changes because change is hard and knowing what's most important helps drive that. And I would say that actually literally the exercise that I'm giving you 
that I'll make available for your readers about identifying your values is a really good first step. And it's, it is, it actually is pretty simple. Um, but the, the, you know, so doing the exercise and then keeping in mind that you can't do it all and that you really deserve to have space in your life to experience, um, the things that are most important to you. Dr. Samantha, this has been a fantastic conversation. Perfect time of year for it, too. And it, this <laughs> took us a while to get to as well. <laughs> Behind the scenes, we've been planning this for a while. We've been plotting. And this is the one-year anniversary of the book, the date the book dropped, too. So. There you go. Perfect. So, uh, Dr. Smith, where can they learn more about your work and pick up the book, which they definitely should do? Yeah, you can pick up the book at any major bookseller at, you know, your your favorite place to purchase books. I also have a link on my website, which is also the place to find out more about me, which is Dr. Samantha, D-R-S-A-M-A-N-T-H-A dot com. And for the book, you just do forward slash book. And on, I'm on the socials. I'm all over the socials at Dr. Samantha, N-D, D-R, Samantha, N is in naturopathic, D is in doctor. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining Thank me today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been fun. And that's how the discussion went down. I'd like to thank Dr. Samantha for joining me on the program. You can find all of the relevant links, show notes, everything that you need at productivityist.com slash podcast 277. This is the first podcast episode of 2020. I'm excited to have brought it to you. And if you don't want to miss a single episode, then I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast today. Not only will you get every episode that comes out each and every week. I didn't even take a break during the holidays, you know. It's, it's just, we just keep going right on through. You'll also be able to easily access the back catalog of this program, which features over 270 discussions, conversations, and the like. Y you really don't want to miss all of the conversations I've had over the years. So again, I encourage you to subscribe in the podcast app of your choosing. Please subscribe to the Productivity is Podcast today. And if you enjoyed this show, Give it a rating and review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. It will help me make the show better. In fact, you listen to the back catalog, you'll hear I've gotten better and better and better over the years. And I am always trying to get better at my craft. So if you'd be so kind, please leave a rating and review of this episode wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to subscribe to the podcast today. That's it for this episode. I'd like to thank Dr. Samantha for joining me and I'd like to thank you for joining me as well. Until next time, I'm Mike Barty, the host of the Productivity is Podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. See you later.